This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you. Good morning. So honored to see you here today. Bless all of you here on Father's Day. If you got your Bible, go with me to 1 Samuel 16. We'll get there in a little bit. 1 Samuel 16. Again, I want to say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. You know, some of the hero, uh, the heroes of my life are fathers. And I say this from my heart. I, I applaud grandparents that are raising grandchildren as parents. Bless you. You play a big place in my heart. I, I believe heroes also are men that aren't the biological fathers of children, but you still raise them as your own. You place a big place in my heart, too. Just for that, so bless all of you. You know, I, I had a father that was a great example. Um, my father taught us to hate to lose. I hate to lose. If you play me in Cracker Jacks, I'm, I'm gonna play to win, okay? And sometimes I'm not a good loser. That's from my daddy, and I believe it's taken me a long way in life. But also, you know, my daddy taught me what it was to watch him be the example of loving my mother. My father taught us that life isn't chance, it's a choice, what you do with it. And so I watched him get up and go to work every day. And I remember as a young boy, the little city in Oklahoma where he was raised, there was 30 something streets in that city. And he lived in like 32 of the 35 streets. And I remember one day I said to him, I said, why'd you live on all those streets? Well, the reason he lived in all those streets that his biological father walked out on them at a young age. And so they were moving every other month or so because they were getting ready to be evicted. And so again, I, I applaud my father for those areas. So fathers, I applaud you today. What we do in this life echoes for eternity. And what I've found out about this thing called life, do you know life is a lot like a text message that once you hit send, you can never get it back? And so I say that to say, daddies, you're needed on an everyday occasion, okay? So my goal here today is to, to admonish you. That means to encourage you, to warn you, but also to instruct you. So I believe that's what will happen. So we begin in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, go, and I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided or seen myself a king after among his sons. Now I'm just going to stop right there. So God has removed Saul from being the king, and he says to Samuel, he said, I, I want you to go to Jesse's house, for I've got, a, I've got a new king lined up. Now it's very easy just to read that and skip by the significance of it. But Jesse was a godly man. And if you trace his bloodline, his grandfather was a man named Boaz. His mother was a, uh, grandmother was a woman named Ruth. So Boaz had a son named Obed. Boaz had a son named Obed. Obed had Jesse. And Jesse had David. The reason I want to highlight those is a couple reasons. Number one, you see the generational blessing. 
When men will serve God, things begin to happen in a godly way. But the second reason I want to highlight this is every one of those men that are named right there, those are all in the family tree, the lineage, the genealogy, the bloodline of Jesus. Now, if we were to go to Matthew chapter 1, you would see the genealogy of Jesus. And I highlight this with big highlighted letters today. The only perfect person in Jesus' bloodline was Jesus. God's not looking for perfect people because there's not any. But God looks for people that say, you know what, I have a heart to follow God. I have a desire to live by God's word to the best I can. And, and when I blow it, I'm man or woman enough to repent of it. How many have ever blown it in your life? I've blown it, I've blown it, I've blown it. And so you don't have to be perfect, okay? Some of you can take a deep breath because you're not around perfect people. You're around people that have been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. Verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said. Now, if you had an opportunity to see my Bible, it would be marked, that phrase right there, and Samuel did what the Lord said. To me, that is the definition of an incredible man of God or a woman of God, is when people actually do what the Lord said. And when I actually do what the Lord said, there's blessings. There's blessings that accompany. So it says, so Samuel did what the Lord said, and he went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming because they knew he had power. They knew he had significance. And so they said to him, do you come peaceably? In other words, why are you here? Have we done something wrong? Verse 5, and Samuel said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify or consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and he invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab. Samuel looked at Eliab. Now, the reason he looks at Eliab is Eliab was his oldest. And it says he looked at him and so man sees as his eyes behold. So as he saw him, that's, that's the only thing that got his attention as he looked at Eliab. Keep reading. And he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Just because of Eliab's appearance, surely that's our boy. Now here may be something you want to ask God to grace you with. Grace me, Father God, to see people with your eyes. Not just with my eyes, but I, I want to see people through your eyes. Do you know if you would pray that? it would change you a lot from the inside out. Verse seven, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused or I've rejected him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. Human mind has the tendency to make assumptions based on people's appearance or their physical stature. 
But what would happen if we said, Lord, grace us again to see how you do because the Lord looks at the heart. He looks at the attitude of the heart. He looks at the devotion of the heart. He looks at the character of my heart. He looks at my behaviors. Keep going, verse 10. Then Jesse made seven of the sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. So we see that this man named Jesse was the father of at least seven. And so the first seven sons of Jesse, they're paraded before Samuel. And so Eliab, the first one, comes and he says, nope, the second one, nope, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And he keeps saying, nope, 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 none of these. Verse 11, then Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here, question mark? And I believe the reason he asked that question, because remember in verse one, the Lord said to him, go to Jesse the Bethlehemite's house, and I'm gonna provide a, a, a new king, and he's gonna be a man after my own heart. So right here, Samuel's thinking, there's gotta be more. There's gotta be more. So he asked that question. Then he said, there remains yet the youngest the message says, the runt. And there he is, keeping the sheep. Now, when I look at this right here, it's pretty obvious that this youngest one who's keeping the sheep, it wasn't his father Jesse's. He wasn't the first choice. And sometimes we, we have that thought. And when he said there is just keeping the sheep, that, that was the lowest job you could have. So in Jesse's eyes, he, he, he's not ready for that. He's not qualified for that. And oftentimes when we become fathers, we have that same thought. I'm not qualified. I'm not ready for this. And all of a sudden, this little baby boy, baby girl comes into the world. And you begin to find out real quick, I'm, I'm in over my head. I don't know what to do. And so they're highlighting this with, with David here. And maybe some of you say that describes me today. I, I don't know that I'm qualified for this. I, I, I don't know that I would matter. And sometimes we have the thought of, well, maybe I'm being left out. Maybe I'm being rejected. I'm in over my head. But understand this. If God be before me, or God be for me, who can be against me? That's Romans 8, 31. I like to say it this way. If God be for me, everybody else might as well be. Verse 12. So he sent him and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. He was ruddy. Now this has several meanings. One, one says that he, he was, he was red-headed, freckles. Another definition of ruddy, it says that he was warlike. He was, there was something within him that was warlike, or better stated, a fighter. And he was ruddy, with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And on the surface here, this, this didn't make sense to man. 
I'm, I'm sure his other brothers are looking and thinking, do you know him like we know him? We've known him, we've been around him. But the Lord said a minute, that's him, that's our boy. Verse number 13, and I, I wanna really read into this for you this morning. Because look at the very first thing that Samuel does when he says it's him. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. The first thing he does is anoints him with oil. In other words, when they anoint him with oil, this was the presence, this was the power, this was God himself endorsing him. And so when I look at this right here, God still anoints people with the Holy Spirit and when he does it, it's to fulfill his calling. It's to fulfill what he desires for every one of us. And so with every calling, there is an anointing of God that comes on you, even as a father. And God, he, he places high, high uh, acknowledgement on fathers. It's a big deal to God. So when God anoints us as a fathers, he puts his DNA upon you. And some of you say, well, I, I don't know that. The blessing of God comes upon you. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here that I want you to understand today. Psalms 139 verse 14 says that God wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created you. Not me. Yeah, you. Yes, you. Marvelous are his works for you. In other words, God didn't make a mistake and your nickname isn't uh-oh. You know, I had a buddy and that's what we called him. For years, I didn't know his name. We just all called him uh-oh. There are no uh-ohs in the kingdom of God. God knew you when you were even in, his, in your mother's room. He said, I, I'm wonderfully and skillfully, fearfully created you. Genesis 1 verse 26 says, you're made in God's image or his likeness. Let me help you a little bit with that. God's DNA is all over you. And we could sit here and we can talk about some of the attributes of our God. Our God is love, our God is patient, our God is kind, our God is a forgiver. That DNA is on the inside of every one of us. Now, I want to give you another definition of God's DNA that I believe it will help you as fathers. Go with me to Exodus chapter number 15. Genesis and then Exodus 15. Ooh, we're going to let the Word of God speak to you today. Now, what's happening here in Exodus 15? The Israelites have just left Egypt, the exodus from Egypt. If you remember in that passage... They cross the Red Sea. Remember, God causes the, split, the sea to split. They go across. The minute it splits, here comes the Pharaoh and all his chariots. They get in and they get wiped out. Listen to this. This talks about this. Exodus 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Now listen to what they say. The Lord... He's my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, 
my father's God and I will exalt him. Now, every bit of that can come on the inside of me. Man, he's my strength, he's my song, he's my salvation, he's my God. But look at this in verse number three. The Lord is a man of war. You know what that tells me? My God is a fighter. My God is a warrior. And who does our God war and fight for? His children, the righteous. He says, you know what? I protect my godly. I take care of my children. And so when I read this right here, the DNA of the warrior, our father, it's in you fathers. And sometimes I believe it just needs a wake-up call. You know, there's a little boy one day, and they said, tell me about your daddy. And he said, my daddy could kill a lion. He could kill a bear. He could jump a building in a single bound. But most of the time, he just takes out the trash. You know what he was saying? He could do more than he's a living being. You know what I believe he's saying? My, my dad is greater than he thinks he is. This little boy believed more in his daddy than the daddy. Turn with me to Psalms 127. Now, as you're turning there, I, I want you to hang on to that thought. The DNA of a warrior's on the inside of me. The DNA of a warrior's on the inside of me. Psalms 127. Verse three, behold, children are a heritage or a gift from the Lord. Woo, is that not true? Children are a gift or a heritage from the Lord. Thank God for our children. And the fruit of the womb is a reward. like arrows or as arrows in the hand of a warrior. Now, I told you the DNA of a warrior is on him. And so right here in the Psalms, he likens our children as an arrow. Some of you can relax because I didn't do real good shooting this, okay? Actually, when Sydney brought it to me, I pulled it back and I tried to shoot her, but it wouldn't go nowhere, so you guys can rest. But I want to give you the example. As warriors, our children are like arrows in our hand. Now, just get the picture of this. An arrow only goes where it's pointed or aimed. Now, I could aim it over here, and it's not going to go over there, not unless I'm really bad, and I don't think I'd be that bad. So what are we telling you? Just the scriptures here is telling us that at Father's, you're a warrior. You point them in the direction that you desire them to go. And the truth is, is this, that an arrow will only go where it's pointed. And it can be pointed at the wrong direction, but when we understand this biblically, we are the ones that is beginning to, to shoot them in the direction they should go. And so we literally are, are training them up to grow them, to mature them, to develop them. To what? The godly potential. 
So whether I like it or not, I'm aiming my children at something, okay? Now, I'm going to let them show you this video here, and I want you to see, and, and we used all kinds of different ages, but I want you to listen to the different definitions or descriptions of how children talked about their fathers. Go ahead, guys. I want you just to tell me what you love your daddy or why you love your dad, okay? Yes. Whenever you're ready, you go ahead and do it. I like my daddy because he likes to play and he, and he swings us. Um, I love my dad because he's good to me and he, he's taught me so much. I love my dad because he's the best dad in the whole world. None finer than my dad because he's the best dad there ever was. My dad, Israel, is my best friend. He's taught me many things, but most importantly, to have faith and trust in God's plan. I've seen him overcome poverty and build businesses and race horses. He daily sacrifices his time, his hard work, and his money to, go, to give me beyond what I need or want. I love my dad more than anything in this world, and I thank God every day for choosing him to be my dad. I love my daddy because he helps me with my homework and because he helps me play soccer. My dad taught me to be selfless in everything I do. Uh, everything he does, he does it for other people. Um, every time he goes off to work, every time he uh, does anything for us, it's all because he wants to help his family or help us. It's not because of what he wants, but because of what uh, God's called him to do for his family and for others. My dad taught me how to lead a family the right way. He taught me how to love the right way. And he taught me how to be a man. I couldn't have asked for a better example and a better teacher. Um, I know I don't say it a whole lot, but I love you. And I thank you for everything that you've done. Um, and I know that all of my brothers do as well. Thank you, Dad. And I hope I can take every lessons you've taught me and everything that I've observed from your marriage and the way that you love us into my family and into my marriage. Thank you. I love you. My dad has always been there with me. He's always supported me. He's taught me everything that I need to know as a man, and he's always been there with me and really been an inspiration for me and allowed me to do everything that I need to do in life and succeed and strive in all those areas. My dad has taught me many things over the years, one of them being that um, all people are created equal. I think that was something that I learned from a very young age from my dad, was um, just playing on different sports teams with all different backgrounds of people. My dad taught me to see people's hearts and not their outside. Um, another area my dad taught me that has really translated in my life in a big way is hard work. I would see my dad do extra jobs so we could go on family vacation so we could play on um, different traveling teams and my dad's really instilled just a really hard work ethic in me that things aren't given but things are earned and um, more importantly um, he's taught me to have a heart after God that um, I remember growing up that he would be at the table um, eating cereal and um, just reading his Bible. And that is something that um, I have carried on with me in my life that I'm very appreciative to have a godly heritage. And so um, those are just a few things that my dad has taught me.
didn't know when they filmed those that one would be my daughter. And so it, it moved me. That's why I'm a little teary-eyed. So daddies, you're modeling things. And I love the different views from the little bitty ones that says, my daddy plays with me. My daddy plays soccer with me. And then the ones who realize daddy's character and the things they've done over the, daddies, you're needed. You're, you're needed. And so when I talk about these here, these arrows, just how are we to point them? How are we to, to lead them and guide them? Because oftentimes our, our children are like the directory at the mall. When you walk in the mall, there'll be this big old red dot and it says, you are here. So how do I get from here to here? That's the same with us with our children. How do I take them from here to here? Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Oh, get ready. This is going to be so good that this will give you biblical insight on God's desires for your father. Fathers, because you're training them up. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord God has commanded to teach you. The very first thing he says, I, I want to teach you. You, you got to get these into you. That you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord. That you may live with a credible reverence for God. To keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you. You and your son and your grandson. See, God is a generational God. God has always been about generation after generation. When you study the, the, the family of God from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph, this is how God is. So when he tells us here, my job is, is to leave a spiritual legacy, a PhD in life that pertains to the word of God. And so he says, you shall command your son and your grandson all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. So he said, you become the model. What an opportunity. Keep reading. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And I believe this is one of the things he says, you gotta get into your children. There is only one God. The great Jehovah, the God of Abraham. I, there's not multiple gods, okay? There's only one. Yes, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. So do you see what he's saying here? How do I express my love toward God? I express my love toward God by obeying God. Now you may not realize this, but right here in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four through six, this is the most important text in the entire Old Testament right here. This is, this is the one right here. 
And the Lord Jesus even called it the greatest commandment of scripture. And remember what he said, it's for you. You gotta get it inside you. You get it inside your son and you get it inside your grandsons. What do we get in them? And you gotta love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second was love your neighbor as yourself. So can you see within our society, we've quit loving God, we quit acting like it's a big deal to serve God, but we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. And so the Lord Jesus says, it's your job to point those arrows in that direction. I'm dependent on you. I'm looking at you. Get the word in him. Teach him the word of God. Now watch what he goes on to say, verse seven. You shall teach them how? diligently or consistently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And you know what he's saying? It's 24-7, day by day by day. You teach them. You tell them. This is why we're doing this, because God said so. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Should be everywhere, everywhere they look. I remember this as a a young boy going to school. The Ten Commandments used to be on bulletin boards all through our school. And I believe this is what he's getting at. Put the commandments in in your home. Put them up there where they begin to see them. And and he said, diligently, day by day by day. And you teach them the grace of God, the truth of the word of God, where ultimately they're able to say no to dangerous influences, no to dangerous temptations, because you've trained them in that way. But the problem is, is when we get away or deviate from what God told us to do, if I'm not teaching them and you're not teaching them, who is? The world's teaching them. And the world has agenda, and the agenda is one called the evil one, the devil, and the devil wants to divert our children away from the things of God as fast and as quick as he can. And you know the devil has a mission statement? He does, yeah. It's John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's his ultimate goal for our children. But God's saying, and they're like arrows in your hand. See, if, if, if the things of God aren't a big deal to you, they won't be a big deal to your children. If church isn't a big deal to you, they won't be a big deal to your children. If your marriage isn't a big deal to you, it won't be a big deal to your children. I'm, I'm targeting them. I'm shooting them. I'm pointing them in that direction on purpose. Now, I'm going to help you a little. You don't have to be perfect, Okay. I believe it's important that your children at times see your strengths. And I believe it's important at times your children see your struggles. They realize you're not human. You can make mistakes. You know, when my daughter was a little bitty, she was like six, we had saved and saved so we could go on a little vacation. And of all the places we decided to go, we decided to go to Six Flags in July. Well, that's a taste of hell if you hadn't done that. I mean, we're in line and we're sweating and when the way we're sweating, there's no social distance. And I'm telling you right now, it's that leave me alone cologne, they stinketh. 
And so we're getting ready to go for a ride. And many of you will remember this. It was the parachute. You'd get on there and it'd take you way up and then it'd kind of drop. So she said as a six-year-old, I want to ride that. I said, okay. So we wait in line. It seemed like five hours was probably 30 minutes. But we get up there and we're about five people away. And she says, I don't want to do this. And I said, yes, you do. (laughs) And she said, no, I don't want to do this. And she begins to cry. So now I'm a father abuser because my daughter's crying. And I said, no, we're going to ride this whether you want to ride it or not. And I said, now here's what's going to happen. You're going to hold my little hand, okay? And we're going to get on that ride together. And you're going to sit right here by daddy. And we're going to have fun, okay? Yes, daddy. So she's crying so loud, everybody's looking at me. I think, that's not how we rode. And I said, Jesus will help us, okay? It's gonna be all right. So we walk up and the circulation's cutting off of my hand. She's squeezing so tight. And we get on there and put the little seat belt in. And and she gets as close to me as she can. And we go up and she's still crying. And the first time it drops, I feel every muscle in her little tummy contract. And we go down and we make it. And I said, see, you could do it. You wanna do it again? No. What are we doing? We teach him to overcome in life. The Lord will help you in every area of your lives. And again, I believe it's okay for your children to see you in that way. And I think it's okay sometimes your children know, daddy needs a spanking. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, numerous times. We were at a water park and the lifeguard started telling me you can't do that. Well. When I see rules and that, a lot of times, my thought of rules, those apply for everybody but not me. And so he blows the whistle and he tells me, you're out, you're out. And Shelly looks at me like, what type of example? And I said, daddy needs a spanking, okay? But one of daddy's worst of all times was my daughter was an eighth grader and they called me at school and said, hey, can you come up here? She's gotten hurt. So I walked in there and I said, what's up? And she said, They think I broke my wrist, and I looked at it, and I said, you didn't break your wrist. I'm not a doctor. I've stayed at Holiday Inns, but I'm not a doctor. So we get home, and we get her ice down and everything. The next day, she talks, it's still hurting. I said, it's not hurting. You're okay. The next day, and so finally, Shelly said, you really need to take her to the doctor. So I take her to the radiologist. He takes some pictures, and he comes out and goes, yep, it's broke right here. They had to put her in a cast. So you know what this daddy had to do? I'm sorry. Daddy needs a spanking. He blew it. What my children have seen that daddy likes to pray. And daddy likes to stand on the word of God. And I say that to you, fathers. Your value. You're needed. You're applauded today because you're going to be the difference makers. And I know in the society that we live in, oftentimes this day isn't celebrated, but we're going to celebrate it today because we got good daddies in here. And so I go back to the start of the scriptures that when Samuel anointed David to be the next king, 
He anointed him before he ever was the king. He had never walked in that position, but he said, we're going to anoint you. You know why? We're going to prepare you. We're going to allow the DNA of God to start working in you. And so at times I wonder how many guys or, or fathers in our house have ever been anointed of God? How many fathers in our house need that, that gift to be stirred back up? They need a fresh anointing. They need it to be awakened or excited where God said, my DNA is in you. And when my DNA is in you, I'm going to grace you. I'm going to help you. And I will tell you in my life, there's times I've been in over my head. I thought, Father God, I don't know what to do, but you know. If you're a father here today, I want you to stand up. Stand up proud. We are proud of our fathers. Bless you guys. Yeah, clap for them. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray. My desire is to pray and say, Father God, Grace us with an anointing from heaven. Grace us with the Holy Spirit to be men that will send our, our children and our grandchildren on the right track. Grace us to aim them to your word and to you, Father God. So bow your head with me and let's pray. Father God, we, we pray for daddies, granddaddies, great-granddaddies in here. Lord, we pray for future daddies in here. That, Lord, they're becoming anointing on them to fulfill the call of fatherhood. And, Lord, we pray a fresh anointing and a stirring anointing, Father God, that if once it felt like I'm, I'm not perfect, I'm in over my head, oh, Father God, we ask right now you bless them and you fill them. Watch over them. But, Father God, I pray right now that that DNA from our heavenly Father, my God, is a warrior. It comes on the hearts within us. And we war in our prayer life. And we war in the spirit realm by standing on the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pronounce over every one of these men right now, be strong and courageous in the name of Jesus. I'm going to have our team uh, sing right now. I, I want us to stand. Everybody stand in here with us. Let's raise hands and let's celebrate this day. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.